Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 762, an episode that was almost called BJ and the Bear. Who remembers Greg Evigan and that charming chimpanzee? Saxon is an adult living with type 1 diabetes, and he's a truck driver, which I find compelling. It's a crazy job with a lot of demand, and I thought it would be interesting to hear about a type 1 who does such a thing. Hopefully you'll think the same thing while you're listening to Saxon and I speak. If we should say something about, you know, like medical stuff, try remembering that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Is everybody holding their arm up next to them right now and pretending to pull down on the air horn? Remember that when we were kids? Do people do that anymore? (laughs) I don't have an air horn sound effect. While you're listening today, please consider going to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Only do this if you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1. But if you are those things and you go to that link, all you have to do is fill out the survey and complete it, and you've supported me, yourself, and other people living with type 1 diabetes. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Today's podcast is also sponsored by InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. Not interested in an insulin pump, but you'd like some of the functionality that they offer? You are looking for the InPen. Check it out at InPenToday.com. Do not forget to check out TouchedByType1.org. Great organization helping people with type 1 diabetes. They're doing more than I can tell you, to be perfectly honest. It's just they have a lot of what they call irons in the fire. They're doing a lot of great things for people with type 1. All they want is for you to know about it. So head over to touchedbytype1.org and see what they're doing. You can also find them on Instagram and Facebook. These are other places that you could follow Touched by Type 1 at. Go ahead and do it. What are you, busy? You don't have time? The phone's in your hand right now. Don't act like it isn't. Touchedbytype1.org. Get going. Well, my name's Saxon, and uh, I, I suppose I, I applied to get on here when I saw a post uh, on your Facebook group asking if anybody has any crazy uh, jobs or hobbies. And uh, I, I thought, well, I don't know if it's crazy or not, but people seem to think that truck driving's a bit much for them. So uh, you threw yourself yeah, in with us. I, I, I suppose so, yeah. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. At least I I didn't know, you know, imagine if you're taxidermying field mice or something like that and you have an army of them and you're like, I have a hobby. Uh, I I have an army of taxidermied field mice and one day, and okay, thank you. I probably would have said yes to that too, but I found truck driving really interesting as I I don't know how anyone does it. I mean, you know what what I'm saying? Like it, it feels to me like, Okay, I I could I could go for a ride for an hour, two hours, maybe three, and then I'm gonna need to stop, walk around. I'm gonna get tired. There's that road noise that kind of lulls you into a coma. Um, and trucks are just everywhere. I mean, I I I, I imagine people know that 
trains, trucks, ships. That's really how we move things around the world. Um, you know, I guess it could feel like you just order something from Amazon and it shows up at your house in a van, but, um, it's, it's such Do you mean that stuff doesn't just appear on the shelf? <laughs> it doesn't just appear there, right? You've like this this job that basically keeps everything going and seems difficult to me. But um, I'm going to find out about it and ask you some questions. So uh, before we do that, how old were you when you were diagnosed with type 1? Um, so I was just a few months before turning 31. Oh, no kidding. How old um, are you now? Um, well, next week I'll be 34. Oh, this is pretty recent for you then. Fairly recent, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you've been driving your your adult life? Uh, it's 11 years now as a truck driver. Okay. Okay. So you were entrenched in your job when, when this happened. Were yeah, sure. And a few years back, uh, well, when I was first started looking on some forums about training, um, I was seeing even then, so 11 years ago, uh, I would have just lost my uh, right to drive trucks altogether for being uh, on insulin. So 11 years ago, when you were thinking about getting this job, that was a rule. Mm-hmm. When did it stop being a... I'm not quite sure when it actually stopped, but uh, it was certainly a concern when, um, I, uh, when I got diagnosed. And it was a couple of weeks' time, and uh, two or three more weeks after diagnosis, when finally I saw uh, one of the specialist doctors we have here and... He said, no, you can still drive until we tell you that you can't. It, you know, it's okay now. You can live a normal life as so, long as you look after yourself. Oh, that, so that's interesting. So after you're diagnosed, your only remembrance of this rule is from when you first got the job probably six years prior. And were you concerned that you were going to lose your job as well as get diabetes? Uh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I thought, well, this is the only way I really know how to earn um, an amount that I'm self-sufficient on. Um, I'd have to completely retrain. What the hell do I do? I've got a mortgage to cover and all that. You know, it's it's a little stressful. And in the meantime, uh, I've also been told at that same time they said I can still do it. That I also then couldn't do it for at least a month until I could show stable sugar readings. Well, that's so, a motiv- uh, that's a motivator, I guess. Uh, yeah. Well, it gave me time to learn, but it, it's a bit ridiculous in that you can still drive a car you can drive a van or whatever up to three and a half tons uh but anything bigger than that you're not allowed to drive until the doctor says that you're stable enough do you drive a tandem truck um, uh oh you mean like, uh, with a trailer with a trailer yeah yes yes um uh, yeah we call them arctics here i think you call them a semi don't you over there semi tandem yeah what did you what do you yeah. call it uh arctic a-r-t-i-c uh, yeah, because it's, uh, it's articulated or oh, whatever. So, gotcha. I was trying to find the connection to the cold, and I was like, I don't see it, but uh, that, makes, <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense too. Um, over the road, local. How 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 far of distance do you uh, do you drive in the course of a day? Uh, I mean, the job that I'm, I I have now is largely going into central London. Uh, I'm back so now I'm with a tower crane company. Um, so yeah, there's a lot into London. Uh, it's about two and a half hours away from where we're based. Okay. Um, but then the other day, well, I had a whole weekend driving up to um, like halfway up Scotland and back. Um, so that was probably a 500 mile 
round trip. Okay. I, so um, across the course of three days. And and you sleep in the truck? Yeah. Yeah. Lucky me. <laughs> we, um, when my son was very young, uh, there was a gentleman that coached his like local sports team and he was an, what we would call an over the road driver. So he was gone for days at a time and he would yeah. drive up and back from uh, New York to Florida over and over again. And yeah. Oh, that sounds like a long way. Yeah. It's terrible. I, I, you can tell it took <laughs> a, a toll on him. Is there, um, I'm going to ask you such a crazy, well, is, is there a lot of drug use in, in truck driving? Like how do people stay awake that long? Uh, I honestly, I don't know. I mean, where I work now, we have drugs testing uh, anyway, so um, it's not too much problem for us. There probably was a lot before, um, but we have a lot of regulations and uh, we've got devices that record all our movements to try and restrict us getting overworked and therefore not getting so tired. Okay. Um, Although you talk to some of the older drivers and there was... Because it used to be a, like a wax disc uh, in a tachograph that would just like scratch a graph on to show your movements, and they would always cheat them by putting a magnet on it to stop the needle actually moving or something, yeah, like that. So they're often cheating because they got to make more money that way, and of course they then work like almost an entire day and say that it was better back in that day. So you could say that you weren't driving when you were, and then yes, accomplish your task and skip the safety regulations oh yeah yeah and then make more money because you've got another job in which right. is oh, oh, going oh. against uh, competition law and all that stuff <laughs> it's interesting because i mean time is time right you know like you can't yeah. drive <laughs> how fast could you possibly drive but uh the the actual um task of keeping the truck on the road it's is it a, a, how technologically advanced are the trucks at this point do they have lane keeping do they do they do anything that helps you or are you constantly keeping that truck in between the lines uh well mostly it is still down to the driver to be in control of the vehicle uh keeping it obviously between the lines yourself but the the vehicle i have does um it likes to make a noise if anytime you get near the white line Mm-hmm. Uh, it will just cut out the stereo and your lovely voice that comes through the speaker just disappears and it's replaced with a rumble, which is uh, very irritating as a lot of the time it's actually uh, it's wrong. You know, the, the sun could be reflecting off of uh, a puddle and it will think that that's the white line you're getting near. Right. Um, so yeah, there's, there's things there to try and help with the attention. Um, they call it driver assist, but I think it's more driver annoy. Um, there's other bits about it though, which are uh, I, I I've gotten to like because it's built in the uh, the, the Mercedes truck that I have will um, adjust speed for corners as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot of corners going through the country back towards the airfield where we're based, and I can just use the cruise control. Um, and it will speed up, slow down for all the corners um, as we go through. And I just need to just, I suppose, just pay attention and, and turn the wheel. But it will do all the speeding up and slowing down the braking, hmm. uh, coasting up to the corners and the junctions. It's, uh, you know, it saves uh, saves a lot of my right foot. And because it's automatic, um, 
hopefully will reduce me having one extremely athletic calf and uh, the other one not looking quite so defined. <laughs> it's that big, that big, strong right leg of yours. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when you, when this, going back to when it happened, uh, your diagnosis, was there, mm-hmm. and they give you this month, what are you learning to do with that time? Are you injecting insulin? Is it a meter? Like, what do you do? It's only a few years ago. So what did they give you? Um, they started off. Uh, so I, I received the meter and uh, I was given Novo Mix 50. So it was a 50-50 mixture. Um, and I was just told to take so many units at breakfast, so many units at dinner. And uh, just try and follow some guidance as to what to eat, which um, I later learned was probably more advice for type twos managing on diet without insulin um, because it was very hard to apply to um, say cereal and then say a beef stew with dumplings that just, yeah, there's just no flexibility with it. Right. Uh, but within a couple of weeks when I was back at the clinic um, and I said that, well, look, I don't really have a schedule with my job. How, what am I supposed to do with this mixture? You know, if I'm taking it in the morning, but if I start at, three and i don't get a chance to actually have any breakfast for some hours you know when am i supposed to take it and she went oh would you be interested in the basal bowler system i was like well what's that and you know and that's when i was then given some lantus and uh nova rapid and uh and she said you know take so many units of lantus and here's your rapid we recommend a unit for 10 but just start off with four units for each meal and see how you go um you know, if, if you said our oh, patients like this, because if you want to have some pudding as well, you can just take a bit more, which you c- can't really do with the uh, the mixture. Right. Um. So yeah, I've been on that, but I found um, Lantus to be very frustrating, uh, in that it would sort of peak about five or six hours in, and then just tail off, and I wasn't really quite sure the best way to adjust for that. And uh, I have recently been given a pump, thankfully, about seven months ago now. So kind of learning all over again. Yeah. yeah. So you went, but, you went uh, about, did you go about three years with Atlantis? Yes. Yeah. Was, yeah. Was it, was it your finding that it just didn't last 24 hours and it also had times where it worked more aggressively than others? Uh, yes, pretty much. Um, but it was also, I don't know if I'm just very sensitive to it or, uh, or what it is, but I've, uh, there just comes a time where suddenly I just do not need as much as I've been taking and it, but it's in you for, for the whole day. And all you can do is then eat your way out of multiple lows. Um, so I remember one day diving into a garage to buy, I just bought uh, a four pack of chocolate bars. By the end of the day, I got through the entire packet. I hadn't dosed for a single one and I was still struggling to, uh, to keep my numbers up. Mm. Um, you know, and it's just like waiting until the evening where I could then finally put in a smaller amount of Lantus and hopefully try to get it right. Yeah. No, I- uh, and it's so nice to be on the pump now that I'm going, Oh, it's a bit much at the moment. Let's turn it down. Right. And you see it change in a few hours. You said two things that are really interesting. So the one was that 
in the beginning, the doctor said to you, look, it's one for 10 unless it's not. So start with four units and then adjust. They gave you a lot of freedom to make that decision on your own, right? You felt like that was your job to make that adjustment. Yes. Yeah. Not like come back, like not stay low for three months or high for three months then come back and see me again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, in a way. So I think it was the specialist nurse who told me about that stuff. Uh, um, yeah, it was sort of like, yeah, here's some rough guidance, guidance, see what works. But then when you do go in and they look at your numbers and go, oh, maybe try a bit less, plan your meals a bit better. You know, like, I'm trying. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know you don't like to see the lows. Neither do I. Mm. Did you spend yeah. a lot of that time eating those lows away, or did you figure out to change the Lantus? Uh, both, uh, I'd say. Um, it took me a while to realize that where I would normally say be on maybe 21 units of basil for the day, that it would eventually settle in at 14. So it was like a third mm. um, of what I was taking. So eventually it took me a while to, you know, I figured out that roughly that was the ratio. I was on like 14 or 21 units, but it did take me a while to get there. Okay. 14. Um, Are you? So I've, oh, I'm I've sorry. currently got two basal profiles in the pump. Um, and at the moment, so I've got one on 14.4 and the other one on 19.3. Yeah. And it's, yeah, for the day that is. So that's how many units for the day. What what's the um how does that shake out? Like is the fourteen while you're driving and you're sitting still and the nineteens when you're moving around more? Or or excuse me, vice versa? No, it seems to be more perhaps if I'm fighting off a bug or if I've been given um uh you know, a vaccination sometimes. Uh I can't really quite work out why. Okay. Um it just is one or it's the other. Do you, but you don't notice a, a significant difference when you're just sitting and driving all day versus when you're up and around? Um, for that, yeah, I can do. Uh, typically, if I've obviously had a meal, I need to try and remember to maybe not eat quite so much. But that's that's a tricky thing, I find, particularly with work. Uh, if, if I'm going to have something to eat and then on the road for, say, an hour and a half mm. or two hours, I don't want to take a reduced amount of insulin because I will then get really high. But then when I get to the site, I've then got to be active, uh, you know, uh, taking all my straps off the load, running around, getting, you know, freeing stuff up. And um, at that point I'm then being really active. So I don't want too much insulin. And that's quite a hard thing to balance. Uh, and I'm trying to work out the right amount to say do a temporary basal which obviously previously I couldn't do with Lantus. Right. So that was just scoff a load of biscuits before I get out of the cab. Hmm. How many stones? Sometimes do you it works. Um, stone. Oh, I didn't think Americans did stone. Uh, we, what am I? 11, nearly oh, 12. Oh, that's funny. I don't, I just was trying to be ready. Cause I thought if I asked you how much you weighed, you'd have no idea in pounds. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, about yeah, a, no, I think about 150 kilos. <laughs> oh, oh i see oh see everybody you're around 150 pounds 155 or do you not uh, so i don't really work in pounds unless i'm buying uh you know beef mints <laughs> hold on a second then it's one 
I'm gonna figure it out. We're gonna figure out together how much you weigh. Um, uh, it's imperial into metrics. Quite frustrating. You know, I was, I was working through a recipe earlier, and it's it's clearly an American recipe because there's cups for this and cups for that, and it's like, oh, please, just deal in weight, not volume. <laughs> how many kilos did you say you were? Uh, about seventy-five. Seventy-five. So you're about you're about a hundred and. 68 pounds somewhere in there okay just so everybody can have context because your basils um it's a little light for your weight which is great you know what i mean like it's it's it actually doesn't matter much it just it surprised me a little bit (laughs) it was a little it was a little light for your weight i don't know why i said great what do i care how much basil you used uh but um i was just trying to get that straight in my mind so because at 19 a day you're not quite one an hour um, at 14, no. you know, at 14, you're more like, what, like 0.6 an hour, something like that? Uh, it's currently on, yeah, 0.62 at the moment. Okay. Wow. Yeah, um, I do prefer it when I need more, though, because it doesn't seem to, you know, my numbers don't jump around as much uh, when I'm less sensitive. Okay. So when, you're, when your basil's a little higher, you see more stability? I think so, yeah. When your basil's lower, do you adjust your meal ratio and make it a little heavier or no? Uh, I mean, that's another tricky one. So I've heard you say before, you've heard from other people that it's that they either need so much or they need another amount until they don't. And in between, it's just chaos. And that sometimes is how it feels. Like sometimes I feel like I need to lower the basil because I can see on the graph that I'm just drifting, I'm like trending down. Um, so then you try and have maybe a little less of a bolus and you just go screaming up straight up, you know, uh, so it's like, well, what do I need? Do I need more or less? And clearly I need less basil, but more bolus. Right. And uh, it did, there's always a few days of it settling in. Um, and then when you finally figure out, you know, and maybe sometimes I see, I get a day, maybe two days when I'm a hundred percent in range and it's about to change. (laughs) <laughs> you're like this can't last forever <laughs> it doesn't no yeah know. like i i'm i'm really looking forward to uh getting like, the pump integrated with dexcom um they can't bring that quick enough i don't think yeah uh and you guys are usually huh you guys are usually a couple of years behind when it comes here right is that how it runs uh, i guess so i guess so um i when when i went through the pump process um and they showed like several pumps um i think they had a an accucheck and uh was it a dana and there was oh and a medtronic and uh, and then they said they're having an ipsomed uh, one come along which i don't think you have over there no that's, um, that's and your... i said what about the yeah what about the t-slim is that uh, we don't currently have access to that within uh, within the trust uh, here. Uh, oh, okay, that's a shame because that's the one I'd really like. And I found out at my six-month review that they now offer it. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on the Ipsomed, which they bought the they bought access to the tandem algorithm, but they haven't got it approved yet. Okay. And Ipsomed is it's not quite. I'm trying to remember it. It's not quite tubeless, right? It's like got a short tube on it. Um, or am I thinking yeah, well, of the wrong the, one? 
Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, the, the tube I've got, I think, is 60 centimeters. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking. Um, right so it's a couple, a couple of feet. So yeah, so you do uh, you do have like a pump with a with with tubing on it, and then into an infusion set. That's the Ipsomed. Yes, I got it. Yeah, it's a very very small pump. It's like half the size of uh, an iPhone. Mm-hmm. You guys have Omnipod there, right? Yeah, but my trust seem to think that that's only for children. Really, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, do you use more than two hundred units of insulin in three days? To be fair, no, I don't. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, no. then it's for you too. Uh, and they're going to have their algorithm too. Uh, I mean, it, it just got cleared by the FDA here in America a few weeks ago. Uh, they're doing a limited release at the moment and then it's going to go wider soon. So I don't know when it puts it in Europe, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I mean, I think you're right. I think that algorithms um, that talk to your CGM and your pump are a big deal. You know, because all of this stuff you've been talking about for the last half an hour, a lot of it isn't going to exist in your life day to day when this algorithm is making that decision. It's it's going to yeah. be uh, it's going to lift a real burden for a lot of people. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm really looking forward to it just to uh, just free up some headspace, not you know, just focus on other stuff. Not mm-hmm. that I have to think about too much while I'm bumbling along the road. <laughs> well, well, what is it like though? Um, I mean, does it add an extra level of, I don't know, like concern that you're constantly driving? I mean, when people have type 1 diabetes, they usually put a lot of effort into making sure that their drives are well protected. You know, they know what their blood sugar is before they start. They check while they're driving. They have stuff with them all the time. But when you're driving all day long, how do you manage that? Do you ever have to pull over to, t- to help yourself or is it something you can keep going pretty well? Um, so we can only drive here within two hours of performing a blood glucose check. Um, I think they recently did approve, uh, CGM for driving, but not a large vehicle. So even though I do have a Dexcom, I still have to pull over and prick my finger for say every two hours of driving. And that's in your personal vehicle too? Uh, so I could drive my car on just the Dexcom as long as I wear it in an approved place. Okay. Um, but then I get better results with it on my pec than I actually do on my stomach or the back of the arm. So yeah, I might as well just prick my finger anyway. No kidding. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have the, the rules that are given to me by the, uh, the, the driving agency that we have here. And, uh, you know, so if your glucose is less than five, which I think is 90 over there, isn't it? Um, you know, have a snack and if it's less than four, um, then you have to, uh, retest, you know, or correct with some sugar and test again. And once you've been back in range for more than 45 minutes, then you can get going again, which is incredibly frustrating when you get a 3.9. And then you have to wait 45 uh, minutes. Well, it's an hour, really, because you've got to correct, uh, test again, and then 45 minutes after after that, you can go again. And that's, yeah, it's very frustrating how, sometimes. How strict are the rules? Like, if you got caught not following them, would you get a ticket? Would you lose your license? How would that work? Do you know? Um, Potentially, I could lose my license. Hmm. 
uh, you know, being in control of a 44-ton vehicle with, um, well, it would be classed as being not fully in control of the vehicle, I suppose. Um, it's uh, They always tell you it's a dangerous weapon in the wrong hands. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're worried about if you're low, it's affecting your concentration. And they tell you that it takes at least 45 minutes for your brain to recover from a low, which... I imagine if, you know, prior to being able to keep yourself in range with CGMs, that uh, any time you got below five, you probably did feel absolutely rubbish and therefore into a proper hypo. Yes, you did need to probably stop because I do try to keep myself as in range as possible. I actually feel okay when I'm around the four um, or just a little bit less, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just, just a tiny bit less. But obviously the clinics will tell you that, they're worried about you losing hypo awareness. Uh, but I thought I can function just fine. Um, I've only had one occasion where uh, I did think, yeah, I really do definitely need to stop. Um, I'd uh, just helped another driver who's loaded, like all his straps uh, became loose, loose when his load shifted. So I just helped him strap it up, got back in the truck and uh, started to drive down the road again. And, I felt like the entire cab was shrinking around me and uh, I, I just looked at my watch to see the, uh, see the number and like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's dropping fast. Um, oh, this is what it means when they say you might act drunk uh, or you know, feel drunk with it. And uh, so I just scoffed a load of uh, you know, jelly babies and orange juice and, uh, and, and pulled over tested and was like, Oh, a <laughs> 2.2. Um, yeah, that, that felt low. I wow! Didn't enjoy that. Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is a premixed auto injector of glucagon for treatment of very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages two and above. Find out more. Go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvoglucagon.com slash risk. Here you are using insulin, and you'd like to do it more deftly, but you don't want an insulin pump. That's fair. You don't have to get an insulin pump if you don't want to. But right now, what you have, right, is an insulin pen that just, it just acts as the thing that measures and you know puts the insulin in. You need something more. You need the InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. Now the, in, now, the InPen is an insulin pen, but it connects to an application on your phone through Bluetooth. This app does many things. For instance, it has a dosing calculator, shows you your current glucose, your meal history, active insulin remaining, glucose history, dosing history, activity log, and reports. You might be wondering how it does that. The InPen does all that with the help of your CGM. Go check it out at InPenToday.com. When you get there, you're going to see the pen, you're going to see the app, there are forms to fill out if you're ready to try, and there's going to be information that you need. For instance, you may not have known this, but InPen offers you 24-hour technical support, hands-on product training, online educational resources, and, ooh, holy heck, now this offer is available to people with commercial insurance, of course, terms and conditions apply, but you may pay as little as, I, I don't even know what to tell you. The impen. Imagine the number. Think of a number in your head. 
the number's $35. Pay as little as $35. That is a possibility. Go check it out. InPenToday.com. There's even a frequently asked questions portion of the website all the way at the bottom. It's going to fill in anything that I haven't told you. InPenToday.com. Take the right insulin dose at the right time. With the InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. Don't forget, it's super simple to support the podcast. Use my links if you're interested in InPen or if you're interested in Chief Oak HypoPen or any of the sponsors. There's links in the show notes of the podcast player you're listening in right now. Please tell me you're listening in a podcast player. If you're not, please find an audio app that you like and subscribe in it. Anyway, I digress. Or there are links at juiceboxpodcast.com. You can also just type them in with your browser. Um, your fingers, I meant. You don't type with a browser. You type with your fingers into the browser. I think we're getting away from the point. Let's get back to Saxon and his lovely accent and story. Ah, crap. I forgot to tell you something I have to say. Hold on. Ready? <clears throat> InPen requires a prescription and settings from your healthcare provider. You must use proper settings and follow the instructions as directed, or you could experience high or low blood glucose levels. For more safety information, visit InPenToday.com. All right. I don't want to get yelled at. Now let's get back to the show. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, so you you say that you feel pretty good around a four, which is a seventy two here, but two mm-hmm. two point two is in the forties. It is forty. Yeah, that's low. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I didn't enjoy that. <laughs> so that just activity of jumping around that truck and pulling those straps and and re cinching that load made you low. Uh, yes, it did. And then I was struggling with lows for the entire day. So it's just one of those moments where my body has decided um, that it doesn't need as much insulin, but it never tells you that it's going to have that kind of day. You just have to work it out for yourself. Well, yeah, you don't know the kind of day you're going to have, but Saxon, I would bet that it's the activity and the, um, you probably kind of activated the insulin that was already in you. So I'm, I'd be surprised if it, if it isn't true that when you're sedentary and not moving, that you need more insulin to keep your blood sugar stable at a certain number than you do when you're active. Um, Oh, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah. 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 So I think you just jumped out, started moving around that other truck and you got you caught a low you probably did you have active do you remember that moment did you have active insulin had you eaten in the hours prior to that uh about yeah probably about an hour and a half before so yes admittedly the the rapid would have been peaking at that point right um you know initially i was just thinking of trying to keep the other guy safe uh because he had to uh you know his straps are dragging on the road so i had to um yeah just try and keep him safe Mm. whilst uh, whilst that was happening um, but as I say, later on in the day, um, you know, just, just driving around, like, oh, creeping down again and again and again. It just yeah. didn't stop then after that. Yeah. yeah. And for a few days there, I was on a lower amount of Lantus again. Hmm. No but but yeah, now the pump. It, it moves around. Yeah. But now the pump has made all that easier for you. Yeah. Easier. Yeah. Not not easy, just easier. Well, I'll tell you. Yeah, I knew I knew it wouldn't be a fix, and the doctor did say to me when uh, when I was approved for it that I he that I would not get better results than what I was already achieving with pens, just that I was less likely to uh, burn out from the effort which they seem to think I'm putting into it. You know, they uh, they're very wide. I get stressed with the effort, and it's like no, it's here's a number, correct it, move on. Yeah, well. So you said something much earlier in the conversation that I related to a lot. Um, the idea when you're injecting a, a slow-acting insulin like Lantus, you know, levomir, or whatever you're using, 
that it's in there and now it's in there and you can't do anything yeah. about it. I used to have that feel, at least you're an adult, right? Like we used to inject that into my daughter when she was two and three and, you know, four years old. And it was the, I thought that was almost the worst part of it is that you had to put it in, but you weren't sure if you were going to need it. And then you had to work backwards from it. Um, and, yeah. you know, at least you can, you know, tell yourself I have to eat this and you can do it. Like you should try telling like a three-year-old that's not hungry that, it, that they need to eat something because they, they look right through <laughs> you, you know? Um, but, but it's, uh, that, yeah, that, uh, you just brought back a memory when you said that that really sticks with me that I felt that way at the time. Like every day you're like, I'm going to put this in and I hope we need yeah. it today, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, watching my mum trying to feed my brother and sister all those years ago was, uh, that looked like hard enough work without uh, the extra complication of, uh, managing diabetes for your daughter as yeah, well. No kidding. So, uh, are there other autoimmune issues in your family line or does anybody else have diabetes? Um, there is no diabetes that we are aware of at all in, uh, in either my mum's or my dad's sides. Um, I've heard you mention possibly that bipolar might be a thing that linked mm -hmm. with it. Um, we suspect that my grandma might have had it, but uh, I mean, she died in 91. So I think back then they just called it hysteria. Um, but, uh, uh, that's about all that I'm aware of in terms of, uh, anything autoimmune in the family. You know, I have to admit, I'm, when I start having bad days, I'm going to start saying I have hysteria because that sounds like a, sounds like a nice <laughs> way to describe a day that's gone wrong. Um, <laughs> what's wrong with you? I'm a little hysterical. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. Not and, today. Any thyroid stuff? Not that I've heard of. Okay. So it's fair yeah. to say that you were completely shocked to have diabetes? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, I think we've, well, the only thing that makes sense to it was that earlier on that year, I had the flu. Um, that's, that's the only thing I can really see as being a trigger for it, because mm -hmm. for about three months, I just had absolutely no strength. And then come the summer, I start seeing a few other symptoms, which I can now relate to it um you know dealing with like a little bit of thrush and then later on i started losing weight and then i was like oh yeah i, I remember thinking like, i went out for a run i thought i'll start running and that night i had to wake up five times to go pee and i'm like well <laughs> obviously it's not actually related i don't think but you know that kind of put me off running a little bit um and then it's like okay every hour i'm driving on the road i have to pull over uh what's going on and um yeah, it was it was quite a shock um, for you know even in the hospital the doctor was asking me like do you have any pain in your stomach do you, have you been throwing up at all like, no are you are you tired a lot yeah sometimes I'm up at one a.m. to start my job uh, okay uh, you peel up yeah I like coffee yeah you, know, you can write so many of these things off sure um, but when you when you really have all the symptoms there like oh yeah they're all there aren't they yeah this makes sense. Hmm. The thrush is a like a yeast infection in your mouth, right? Um, I actually I had it more in uh, other sensitive areas. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, and so there was a few, um, well, a couple of like conversations, I suppose, with uh, well, my now ex uh, wife, but it's like I don't know what's going on here. Um, you know, uh, yeah, maybe not tonight if you don't want to catch this. I don't know where it's coming from. 
<laughs> yeah, and I was seeing the doctor. Well, I went to the local doctor a couple of times, and I was getting some creams. And then one day I went, and so it's still not going away. But I now feel like I'm also peeing away my weight. And I'm like, ah, that sounds like diabetes. Let me go get the meter. I'm like, excuse me. Wow. So the thrush alone didn't get him, but you mentioned the urination. He went right to diabetes. Yeah. Yeah, because he saw the high blood sugar because of the yeast infection. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Wow. Well, it's the weight loss as well. And the weight loss. How long did it take you, do you think, to diagnose it a couple of months? Uh, I suppose from actually seeing the doctor for that, yeah, it probably was a month or two. Okay. But I think I can trace symptoms back about five or six months. Wow. That's a long time. It's not. Yeah. Something, it's just not something you expect as an adult, especially if you don't have it in your family. And it sounds like your onset might have been a little slow. Do you remember what your blood sugar was when when he got that meter? Uh, so, well, they, when they tested me in the hospital, it was 29. Um, okay. Not, I've quite got the conversion for you there. I got it. It's about 522 for here. Okay. Yeah, which is high, but not the highest number I've ever heard. Um how did you feel? Oh, no, I've had some high numbers on your on yeah, your show. Yeah, some, sometimes you're like, wow. Uh, but how how did you feel at that point? The tiredness, was it was it getting worse or was it just that you were? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I was quite happy to get myself into bed at eight o'clock some nights. Hmm. Um, and then once I started taking the insulin, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got the energy back. But it's uh, you do get used to feeling rubbish and you you just get on with it. You adapt. I'm going to ask you a question. It's none of my business, Saxon. So you can tell me to go ahead, screw off. But did the diabetes have anything to do with the end of your marriage? Um, some people would think it like that, but no, I think I can honestly see, uh, patterns in her behavior, um, long before that, which, uh, led up to, uh, uh us getting divorced. Okay. Was it, used um, as but an excuse? maybe it was a little bit the end. Uh, well, when we split, she told me not to change. No, no don't change who I am. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't so, change who uh, you are. Yeah. You're just not for me, but I got to go. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> how long, did yeah. you, how yeah. long had you been married? Um, it, was pro- it was about five years at that point we'd been married. We'd been together about 10. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sorry that happened. I was just, I felt like I... I felt like I should ask. Um, no, 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 that's, that's absolutely fair enough. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here to be honest. So, but it's, I'd say it really worked out for the best in the end. Obviously, we weren't for each other. And uh, I then met somebody, um, uh, I would say, is far lovelier um, pretty quickly afterwards. How do you meet a girl when you drive a truck all day? Well, that's the tricky thing, I suppose. Luckily, I do four days on, four days off. So... I'm only working half the time, so I can actually meet people. Um, but, you know, in this day and age, it is uh, it's Tinder, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, you're swiping yeah. around. I got you. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I just said I'm not in the I'm not in the right place for a relationship, having just come out of a long-term one. So, uh, you know, I'm just looking to meet people. And um, and and Natalie said to me uh, that she was about to go to America. So, um, um, yeah, perfect. And uh, two and a half years later, she's still here with me. Oh, you 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 changed her plans. Yeah. Look at you. Well, that that's yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I I I see you're you're flexing a little bit there, Saxon. I see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, uh, yeah. Apparently being, being honest and nice uh, actually was something she wasn't used to. So uh, <laughs> there was a reason to stay. That's excellent. Well, good. I'm glad for you. Um, is she you. is she very involved in your diabetes? How much of it do you let her see? Oh, I let her see the whole lot, but she's not. Um, she, you know, she's not. I suppose like involved in terms of having to take any care. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's. Uh, so she's a nurse, and she has found it very interesting, um, and has given a lot of confidence seeing what I do um, in terms of actually then treating. Uh, the patients that she has oh no kidding is she um, not- so she's she's not scared of the uh, of the insulin uh, anymore wow she works in a hospital yes yeah so when i met her she was uh, a critical care nurse um so she she'd manage people with uh, dka uh, you know newly diagnosed or having other problems uh, various other types of uh, insulin uh, needs uh, so I think somebody was um, due to a brain injury, they uh, their body was or the brain wasn't telling them to release the insulin. Hmm. So uh, yeah, so it's things like that. Okay, you know I I'm going to tell you that I had a fair amount of stress just now when I said she works in a hospital because I couldn't decide if I should put the uh in front of the ho- in front of hospital or if I because you guys you guys just say hospital and i didn't know what to do and i panicked <laughs> i think I yeah got... I'm, I'm not too sure what the right answer actually is here do we say go to hospital or go to the hospital you know it like sometimes the the north of england don't use the word the um you know do you want cup of tea I'm just telling you, it, it shot me into a panic. Like I could, like, so if you're me, you, you, I have this weird like skill or life thing that happens to me where I'm a little aware when I'm recording this podcast, I'm a little aware of my next like eight words before they come out of my mouth. And so you're talking and I'm asked, I know I want to ask if she works in a hospital and I could just like I can hear voices in my head fighting, going, "Don't say the uh, say it, don't say it." <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a little tiring at times. I was just like, I don't want to, like, I don't know, I, you know, it's stupid, doesn't matter. But I've I've just interviewed enough people from you know from England where I'm just very aware of it, and uh, and I and I still can't get it right. So anyway, whatever. Uh, can nah, I, we know what you mean. Thank you. Can I ask you a question that there's no way? prior to two weeks ago i would ever would have asked you um how close do you feel to ukraine right now oh uh well i don't know i mean i'm in a country where half more than half of them decided to get away from anything to do with europe so uh i'm not really too sure but uh i it doesn't sound nice what's happening over there but but your own personal safety do you feel close to it uh, well, I suppose, that, I mean, I suppose like the far east of Europe to us, but uh, who knows how far uh, Putin might decide to reach. Um, but we don't seem to be doing much to um, uh, to aid them for some reason. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll be okay. I am I'm, I'm wondering if our politicians are a bit too scared to really provide proper assistance. You know, I think we're arming the Ukraine, but we're not sending troops. Um, so I don't, I don't yeah, know well what's that, going on. Really that seems that. to be how they're all handling it. I just wondered if, because you're attached and you're there, you know, 
like if it felt like a regional conflict that you have no real concern about reaching you or if it feels different because it's closer. That's all I, you know, I, I mean, from here it, you know, it's horrifying and, and concerning obviously, but I don't feel like it's going to be here anytime soon. I just didn't know if like the distance made it different for you, but it sounds like you are having a fairly similar experience to the one I'm having. Uh, yeah, in a way, I, I, I don't really know what to feel about it. I'll be honest. Um, you know, I have a friend from Estonia and at some point I'll find out what, what she thinks about it. Cause they're only, they are another country or two along from, from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, that might so I'm be. sure it's more concerning for her and the family that she has back over there, having previously been a part of the Soviet Union. Right. Wow. It just all seems, I mean, you got that little tiny bit of water, but that ain't going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's helped us before. If uh, you know, for those people who can't let go of the Second World War, <laughs> slows them down a little bit, having to get on a boat, huh? Uh, Something like that. <laughs> my gosh, do you see the world like very? Does the internet? Uh, what am I? What's my question? Like, does the internet make everything seem local at this point? Like, do you have more understanding of the United States, for instance, and places that are far away? Uh, in your 30s than you did in your teens and your 20s? Um, possibly. I mean, I try I try and stay off social media because it's just, uh, I don't know, it's just saturated with rubbish and uh, I, I don't like going on there. And the news is just too damn depressing. Right. Um, so I have to admit, a lot of what I pick up about the world these days, I actually get from here and your guests oh, no kidding. Uh, from wherever they are um because at least getting somebody's own personal story with it but you turn on the news and it's like oh like for a couple of years it was brexit more brexit you know and it's like oh can we have something else oh we're talking about covid okay oh that's getting boring now uh, can we talk about brexit again um no that's still bad <laughs> um you know there's just been very little uh to make me feel like I want to tune into the news. Um, you know, one day I thought, oh, let's find out what's actually going on in the world again uh, after like months of not listening to the radio. And I was like, oh, Stephen Hawking died. Oh, that was, no, oh, I wish I hadn't tuned in now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now I'm sad. Uh, it's just depressing. Yeah. I know we were on a, um, uh, a car trip the other day and um, my wife said, put the news on. I want to hear about Ukraine. And we listened for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. And I don't know, a couple hours went by and she's like, put it back on again. And we put it back on again. And I realized they were just saying the same thing. And then I started paying attention at the top of every hour. They were just making the same statement and then having the same conversations off of it over and over again. I said to her, I was like, there's no new news here. Like they're just, they're just re saying the same thing over and over, you know? So we, yeah, yeah. It's 24 hours of news, but it's no longer new. No, and, yeah, and they've already said it. My my favorite part is that every time they say something, they go, "This is breaking news." I'm like, everything can't be breaking news. Like something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I I agree with you. I I I do my best to stay away from just like mass market media news. Um, and even like you said, like Brexit is a good example. You start getting involved in these like political discussions, you realize that you have almost no say in how this goes, and it's going to do what it's going to do anyway. And, and being twisted up in the, in the moment to moment of it really is no value to you. It doesn't make you better informed. It just sort of makes you, you know, I, I think it makes you just kind of more nervous and anxious, 
honestly, about something you have yeah. no, no effect on. Yeah, yeah. I think I spent spent a day listening to like COVID updates and getting a whole bunch of stuff. And by the end of the day, I felt awful. I'm like, no, I'm gonna go back to audiobooks, podcasts, whatever, you know, get get some music going on. It's just stay away from the radio. How was that driving a truck during COVID? Like, because you you travel a distance, then you have contact with people, I imagine. Did that did that change what happens when you get to a destination or do a pickup? Uh yeah, for a while that was uh that was definitely a different experience. Um you know, arriving at the site, not being allowed inside, they'll cut you know, in not allowed in a warehouse, they'd come out and meet you, um, as long as you've already masked up, even though you're outside. Um, take your keys off you still, but they go in a bag. Um, you know, they'd hire in portaloos uh, to be in the yard so that you don't go inside to use their toilets. Mm. Um there's yeah, it was, that was that, that's strange. You know, not everywhere's completely relaxed yet either. Um, I, yeah, in some ways it was kind of nice because you know other places where they normally would take your keys and they'd sit you in a different uh, room where you weren't allowed to stay in your vehicle. Um, they stopped all that, so I was like, finally, I can stay where I'm already comfortable with my own stuff and my food. Right. Um, yeah, I I don't really have to deal with that too much now. Okay. Um, because when, when I first uh, got got in touch with you, I was part of a, a general haulage company, and we were moving a lot of you know just various goods. You know, now I'm part of a crane company. It's um, you know we just go to building sites. Um, you know, just take take the crane, drop that off, leave. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not too bad now. Can you explain to people step by step how to pee in a bottle while you're driving? Um. <laughs> I'd imagine uh, you'd you imagine one, one that's got a big enough spout. <laughs> uh, I I personally haven't tried it because I don't want to get it wrong and have it all over my seat. Um, but I know I remember one man saying he he met up with a couple of or he met a couple of Irish drivers um, in in Liverpool. had a had a couple of pints with Guinness of Guinness with them, and then. Uh, they set off towards uh, Dover to to get on the uh, the other channel tunnel, and he said after ten hours he just had to stop and pee, uh, and they just kept going. <laughs> so obviously they've mastered. They know how to do bottle. it. Yeah, I guess. yeah. I'll, I'll just pull over. I mean, now I have to anyway. Um, yeah, I won't do that. I, I imagine the wide mouth bottle is pretty much the it's the key to the whole thing. Honestly, right? Uh, I mean, there's times where, you, okay, like you park up in a service station for the night um, and it takes like three or four minutes to walk inside to the facilities and, you know, and, and it's chucking down with rain. You're like, no, I'm just going to pee in a bottle tonight. <laughs> Are there places that uh, when you stop, like have shower facilities and things like that for you? Yeah, yeah. There are a few of those around. Uh, not necessarily good, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they are available. Okay. Not something you would want to use on purpose, just more of a necessity. Uh, yeah, some of them aren't too bad. Some of them, um, there's a couple of places where they're really nice. Um, a lot of them are, you know, just about adequate. Uh, one of the, one of the like private truck stops that we have, uh, I don't think it's particularly good for it. The, uh, cause we have a payment system, uh, so that you just give your registration the, the company is billed, the driver doesn't have to pay over money and wait for any expenses to come back. 
Um, but because this company then takes a percentage, the truck stop has decided that to get that money back, uh, they'll then not include a shower token with the parking. Mm. So we then three pounds to have a shower, but then you also have a ticket to put into the machine to give you so many minutes of water. And then when you press the button, like I know it's like at the swimming pools, you, you press a button, you've got so many seconds of water and then you've got to press it again. Well, the, the buttons in these showers pop out again within two seconds and half of that water is coming out of the back of the shower head and running down the wall. And you think, it's uh, it's no wonder a lot of people kind of get disenfranchised with, uh, I suppose, this lifestyle. It's, yeah. It is a bit more of a lifestyle than a job uh, when that's the kind of uh, treatment uh, or care that you get um, right. for almost dedicating your life to it. Yeah, and it's hard, it's hard work too. I mean, it takes a lot out of you. I imagine there's – you say you, have, you work four and then you have four off, but the first day must be recovery, right? It can be, yes. Yeah. Uh, particularly after, say, like a 15 hour day. Um, yeah. I, I try to have the first day is just take it slow mm-hmm. um, and then get some chores in uh, you know, the day after. Um, but yeah, it can be like that. You know, I've had times where I've had to be at work for three o'clock in the morning uh, on the first day, and then I've not got home till 11 o'clock on the fourth day. And, mm. Yeah, that's kind of takes away a little bit of your weekend as well but you know both both sides of that right in a in a 15 hour workday how many of those hours do you think you're actually driving uh well we're limited to nine hours of driving in a day okay um twice a week that can be increased to 10 um but usually it might be say seven eight hours of driving and I recognize that you're happy in your relationship, but I have a question you might have information about. Is uh, the idea of lot lizards, is that something that translates to you? Lot lizard? Do you, don't, um, do you not know the phrase? I'm going to assume from lot, you mean like a parking area. Uh, is this going to be do with like ladies of the night? Yes, it is. Is that a real thing in this world? Or is that um, just from my movies? I've heard of it. I haven't experienced it. Okay. <laughs> it's not it's not like uh it's not like i'm made to believe in a movie where you pull into your parking spot and just you are swarmed by prostitution uh no one 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 man did tell me that happened at a particular service station it was just like every 10 minutes there's somebody knocking on the door and you think just go away i'm desperate for sleep mm. yeah i can't imagine how exhausted you must be at the end of a of, a, of nine hours of driving we we um so we just drove to take Arden to uh, visit a school, a uh, college she's considering going to, which I guess is a university okay. in your mind. And um, it was across the country. So we we kind of took it a little slow and easy. But by the time we got there, we had been in the car about 14 or 15 hours. And, you know, with a couple of stops here and there for, you know, restrooms and food and things. And um, we we stopped at a hotel and we were waiting at the front desk to check in. And my wife goes, are you okay? And I said, is the room moving or is it me? Like, I just, <laughs> like you have that weird feeling like you're swaying, but you're not moving. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Maybe it does. Um, but yeah. yeah, I found it very disconcerting. I don't normally drive that far in, you know, in a, in a shot. So um, I don't know what that is. It just felt like exhaustion, but I'm, I'm not certain. It probably is if you're not used to concentrating for, for that long. 
Yeah, that's the hardest part, isn't it? Just the paying attention. Uh, yeah, I find it can be like most days. It's it's not too bad. Um, you know, usually I'm asked like, "Don't you get bored?" But I just consider it more that I'm absorbing my choice of entertainment whilst I'm driving. Mm. Um, the days when it's heavy rain, uh, if it's really uh, if there's heavy fog, uh, then I find it very tiring. Okay. Uh, because then I'm really having to focus and try and peer through, uh, you know, the, the weather conditions. That's a struggle. And you're moving heavy equipment that's not that isn't that it's not like cases or boxes that can get stacked up. And the distribution of weight is probably a little different for the stuff you're pulling, too. Right. Because of the I'm kind of guessing about moving cranes around, but it sounds like it's not as stable as far as the um, the load goes. Uh, I mean, it's not too bad, okay. uh, to be honest. Uh, if it is a heavy load, it's usually because of the uh, the ballast weights, uh, which then just go on the deck. Um, so that's kind of at least giving you a reasonable center of gravity. Uh, stack a few bits on top. But you just, if you're not sure if it's quite secure enough, put another strap over it. Just, you know, get it down really tight. Um yeah, sometimes they don't quite put stuff in the right place for you, and that more as a, has an effect on your um, on the traction of your you know, your drive axle. Do you uh, load the might truck? Slip a little bit. Do you load and unload? No, it? I don't. No, there's people there that handle the basically the packaging of the crane onto your truck, and then you drive it away. Yeah, yeah. In our, in our yards, uh, yeah, we we have yeah the yard men operate the cranes, and they'll lift lift the stuff on um and then we secure it we take it to the site where we then have the the erectors there who then provide you know sort all the lifting it off uh when they're erecting the crane or when they're dismantling it they're the ones who are putting it all on okay um and again then we just secure it but we're not actually allowed to participate in the loading or unloading of the vehicle just securing it and getting it there gotcha uh is it weird to stand there and watch other people work uh, Do you ever feel like you sometimes. gotta like help a little bit? Like, oh, here I'll get that. Like, just so, so they don't look at you like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there's times like that, but they'll be loading stuff on, and whilst they're doing that, I'm just throwing the straps over. So I'm still usually doing something. Something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there are other times if they're really struggling with taking the crane apart. Um, yeah, I can't get involved in that, uh, and so I just sit there and. I think I had one day in central London, I was there for 10 hours and they still hadn't put anything on me. Um, and it turned out, yeah, they were struggling to bash the pins out of the crane because they had bent. Uh, and uh, yeah, say after about 10 hours, they finally put a couple of bits on me. And then I just had to get out of London before my uh, before my hours ran out for the day. Oh, I see. Uh, but yeah, for a day like that, so I guess I'll watch another movie. I'll... Um, I'll go to sleep. Um, I now take some uh, some Warhammer miniatures with me. I can just paint up in the cab while I'm waiting for them. Uh, yeah, my job now involves quite often a lot of sitting around. No kidding. Oh, uh, wow. So you ju- you bring your hobbies with you even because you know you have downtime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. That's cool. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, I think some of the <laughs> other guys say like they knew that when they're on their third movie of the day, that they really weren't going to go anywhere. <laughs> you start you start binge watching shows and you're halfway through three seasons you're like what is what is happening right well well listen hey, <laughs> does it pay well is it a good job 
Uh, where I am now, actually, I would say yes, it is. Um, it's maybe not paying quite so well during the winter months because of the wind. Uh, you can't really lift much when uh, you know when the storms are coming in. Um, but yeah, I think I think where I am now, it is fairly good pay, and a lot of other haulage companies are coming up to meet that pay because they're they've been desperate to hold on to drivers lately. Right. Yeah. There's. Uh... The, the craziest thing I've seen here during COVID is that jobs that you used to think of as like uh, jobs that like teenagers would keep or, you know, like high school students, stuff that was for after school is suddenly paying like, you know, $20 an hour. And I just feel like they can't, they can't keep anybody. So they just keep jacking up the pay, trying to hold on to, um, you know, to workers. Um, yeah. You know, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I've seen a lot of that. The, the last company I was in, they lost a load of people with a dangerous goods license, so they upped the bonus for that. Uh, and then the uh, the local drivers, a whole load of them left, so they upped their pay. And then the uh, the national uh, trampers, they uh, oh, so they're the ones who sleep in the cab for the week. Um, like five of them left in two weeks, so again their pay went up. Yeah. And the four of us that were doing four days on, four days off there, we uh, were like, well, what about us? And I said, oh, there's a queue of people waiting to get in your truck, so we don't need to up your money. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I then heard about this other job, you know, with the crane company. I went, see ya. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long does it take to um to train? Like if I if I showed up there in my mind and I was like, I'm going to drive these trucks. I'm, I'm going to go do what Saxon does. I have no like no training at all. How long would it take me to, um, to get the license? Um, I think it took me three or four months before in terms but so applying for the provisional, uh, category on your license, getting in the medicals, doing the theory, um, having the, uh, the first test was for, uh, just driving a rigid truck. So, you know, like just one with a, without a trailer, mm-hmm um so then you can just go and drive one of those once you get your license you could do your test back from that and that was uh, i did uh, a three-day course followed by a test okay uh because you already know how to drive they're just adjusting your driving style to a bigger vehicle for the size yeah. um yeah so then it's just wait for the license to come back um and then get booked in to do the the next category which is to have the trailer on the back as well mm-hmm. um so that was about three or four months at the moment because of COVID, getting licenses back from the DVLA is uh, is taking so long. Okay. I think, like, because uh, I have to have uh, my my license is on a one year restriction because I'm on insulin. So every year I have to submit renewal uh, for yeah, do it medical grounds, see a couple of doctors. In the meantime, I can continue to drive until I'm told otherwise. But I am having to say keep renewing the license and last year that took nine months to get the license back <laughs> uh my my brother who is uh i think he's gonna be 19 this year he um he's applied for his provisional license so he can for, to you know, start driving uh and he he sent that off i'm sure in september he is still waiting to get his provisional license back so at the moment he is just stuck in the town that we've come from he can't go anywhere yet you know <laughs> I don't know if he wants to, but he doesn't have that option. He just can't. Wow. Yeah. Oh, 
they're, they're just taking so long to do anything right and you yeah. can't get on the phone to them it just says there's no one available and like, thanks <laughs> i just sat through a five minute message to get to this point <laughs> so it's a nine minute wait to reset a one year <laughs> a nine month <laughs> a nine month wait to reset a, a one year uh cycle yeah that that's that's not working. Um, it, yeah, no, it seems like that. And uh, I, there's a, I have another colleague as well who was also type 1. And uh, we've, we've submitted maybe a couple of weeks apart uh, for our licenses. And so he said, right, okay, well, I'll, I'll do a bet with you. Whoever gets their license back first has to give the other one a packet of jelly babies. <laughs> Diabetes <laughs> betting. It's less fun than the other guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you... Also gets in a lot less trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Um do you when you submit that for reinstatement basically does that is it something you have to get from your doctor do you have to write down logs do you have to send them numbers like how does that work uh so uh yeah so i'll just let the dvla know that i wish to continue driving uh i wish to keep the category on my license and then they say they send out a questionnaire and then it, there's stuff in there like you know ion insulin have you had any uh severe episodes um and you're, you're allowed one a year with help um uh you know that's okay any more than that and uh then they're really going to question your ability mm-hmm. uh you know how many hypos would you say you have on average you know like so many a week or so many a month or hardly any um have you lost any limbs you know all that kind of stuff no yeah kidding. um and then they say, uh, oh, we'd like to get some more information. So uh, we've arranged an appointment for you with a doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then the doctor looks through your your meter to just see the last three months of sugars, just to show that yeah, you, you, you're not having too many hypos. And if you are, that you're correcting them. And you think, well, you're here, aren't you? You're right. still alive. Um, and after... Um, another like month or so of that form being sent off they say oh we want some more information so we've now arranged an appointment for you with an independent doctor so i then have to drive uh, another hour up the road a friend of mine i've got a perfectly good hospital within 10 minutes uh, so i have to go to another hospital and uh, see somebody there uh, who does exactly the same thing uh, you know looks through the last three months of readings says you're okay uh, ask you, yeah, he asked you a couple of questions about, you know, do you keep carbs within easy reach? Uh, if you do have a low, you know, what do you do then? When do you feel a low coming on? You know, and just writes all that down and sends that off. And then you get your license back uh, mm-hmm. for another year. And then you've got to repeat the process. Yeah, well, that, that sounds but Thankfully. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've only done it a couple of times so far, but I'm, I'm sure it will get tiring. Saxon, I appreciate you doing this. I have one last question that has absolutely nothing to do with any of this. And if you think it's silly, you can <laughs> just on. tell me. But in your mind, how do you think of the Beatles? Like when when you think of Paul McCartney, do you think he's a genius or do you just like, it, do I think differently of him because he doesn't come from here? Does that make sense? Oh, uh, I would say I prefer the Rolling Stones. Okay. All right. And, um. I, and you're younger. you're younger too. So like, it's interesting that, um, it's interesting that like, it's not music that like you, you didn't grow up with it the first time. Obviously I didn't either. Um, but I'm just interested to like, like when something comes from the place you are, is it like, is there lore around it here that doesn't exist there? Like, I don't not love the Rolling Stones. I'm just interested. Like, do you think Paul McCartney's a genius? Uh, 
I no, I don't know. I like I think the song Hey Jude certainly ruins any appreciation I have, any appreciation that I have for him. Um, because it just goes on for far too long. Um <laughs> I won't deny that the Beatles have clearly had an influence on music. Um, you know, I I, I respect them for what they've done and, and for the uh yeah, I suppose the ability they had to play, like when they went over to America, uh, to be able to play through the screaming crowds in the stadium with the tiny little speakers behind them where they couldn't hear each other and you know, be able to do that when they got there. Um, but no, uh, they're, they're not really for me. A bit soft, I'd have to say. Mm-hmm. For me, though, that's the thing. Um, yeah, I like the Rolling Stones because they, they, they rock a, um, a lot more. It's amazing um, they're still playing. But I like it heavy. Yeah. I like it heavy. It's amazing um, those guys I still think, play. It's crazy. Like Mick Jagger still puts on shows. Paul McCartney pulls himself out once in a while and sings. It's like it's ridiculous how old yeah. they are, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I see the Rolling Stones drummer died I think, uh last year, didn't he? Recently, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh and then Keith Richards just needs an iron when he goes on stage. Um, but otherwise that's yeah, I don't know. But I mean, what I'm looking forward to seeing later this year is uh, Ramstein. So that's more my, um, you know, my taste. Mm -hmm. So when you go out to, is that going to be a festival or will you just see? Uh, No, this, this is a concert in a, in a stadium. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to go over to Wales for that one, but I've been waiting two years to get there. Yeah. And nobody's, I, I haven't seen a live show in quite some time considering going and seeing some comedy soon, which seems like I, that seems like it's okay to do. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's been a long pause. well, you're vaccinated now, aren't you? I am. I have, uh, what did I do? We did J&J. I did J&J the first time, and then I did Moderna the second time to uh, give myself a little a little flavor from A and a little flavor from B. I don't know, just in case that helps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you've, you've, you've done what you can now. You're about as protected as you're going to be. You might as well get on with it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Well, oh, I didn't know you were listening to metal music. That might have changed our whole conversation. How about that? Um, oh yeah, I think I have heard you mention Metallica a couple of times. Well, when 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 I was younger, we listened to a lot of Pantera uh, and stuff oh, yeah. and stuff stuff along those lines. Um, I have to admit, now that I'm older, I don't know that I have the like. I don't know that my taste for it is the same anymore. Um, but I still enjoy it periodically. Um, but oh no, yeah. I, I understand that. Yeah. I think like, I, I'm listening to a lot more. You know, podcasts and audiobooks than I am music these days but every now and then I just I do need a reset and just put on something you know good and heavy yeah I, um you know I often think that needs the, to be done as an adult I've achieved a level of uh stereo in my car that my 19 year old self would have appreciated a lot more than I do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah fair enough I mean I think yeah I've heard you as well having to trying to listen to rap music so you can still relate to your son um that's i don't know if i'm particularly looking forward to that when i finally have some children i i can't even begin to wonder if 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 you made a baby right now 15 years from now what i don't even know what music would be and what you would have to try to to learn to enjoy um oh yeah i don't know but i'm I'm sure natalie would be able to cope with that because uh I've, i've talked to other people about music it's like well i like heavy metal she likes everything else. Mm. Do, you, do you think <laughs> so you guys I'm sure are she'll be at cope? Do, do you do you think I don't want to put you on the spot? Do you think you're going to get married? Oh, that's uh booked for May next year. Oh, well, can, oh, the, the, congratulations! That's lovely. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose uh, some might say it was a bit, maybe a bit quick, but it really did feel right. And I um, actually proposed probably about a month or two before I got divorced. <laughs> there you go. Stack them up. <laughs> Stack them up, Saxon. Get them in line. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it sounds a bit crazy, but then it's like the time I've had with it. It's like, this is actually how things, I think, should have felt in uh, in the marriage I had before. Okay. Oh, well, that's excellent. Yeah. You okay. move on, you learn. That's excellent. All right. Hey, man, I really appreciate you doing this. I I um, I um, found your job to be fascinating, and um, I hope more people reach out that do things that, you know, maybe the rest of us don't know about. I was really, uh, at one point, stunned when you said that you learn about things around the world from this podcast. So um, hopefully you will have uh, taught somebody else something today. Well, uh, maybe. I mean, I think, I mean, going back through your older episodes and hearing the woman who had the, her daughter went to, went up Everest and then there was an avalanche and stuff like that. It's, uh, they're just conversations that you would never otherwise get to listen into. Yeah. Um, you know, it's brilliant. Um, I will say when I first found your podcast, I looked back to see if there was anything to apply to say the job I'm doing. And I was very disappointed when I listened through the episode, just keep on trucking and that it had absolutely nothing to do with trucking. <laughs> and then uh, obviously over the year, over the time, I've learned that your uh, titles don't seem to have anything to do with uh, what's happening. <laughs> Apart from obviously like the After Dark episodes, I have to say, are fantastic. Uh, they give me an insight into a, a lot of things that I would otherwise have no contact with or insight Um so I think they're brilliant and you should definitely keep doing those for people. I, I agree. I enjoyed doing them very much actually. And I've had um, actually just last night on social media, the girl who came on and talked about uh, being diagnosed during a heroin bender, like was like, oh, yes. she was just right in front of me on social media. And I thought she looked so good. And I was, it made me happy. You, you know, um, she just yeah, looked like yeah. she was doing so well. And I agree. Like there are stories where you're just like, I don't know anything about this world. And it's it's fascinating to hear more about it. I actually think this, I mean, yours is not an after dark, but it's a very similar situation. Like we don't think about, you know, truck drivers. It's a tough job. It's uh it's incredibly important. And I don't think, you know, I don't think anybody even I think they look right through it. They don't even see it. So I mean, between that and the girl that was a stripper from a few episodes ago, um, I, I find it all really fascinating. Uh, and I'm sorry about the titles of the show. I don't know what to do. Like today's today's ep- <laughs> today's episode is called Chile Chacho. And I don't even oh. think I don't even believe those two words actually go together. I didn't even care. <laughs> OK. <laughs> <laughs> it's just at some point in the conversation. Um, the woman I was talking to was like, uh, I think her cat's name is Chacho. And she uh-huh. and she was from Chile and she's just like uh you know explained to me what the word means and everything and I was just going to call the episode Chacho and I was putting it up and I thought huh what if I put Chile with it too <laughs> that's fine I'm doing that so it's a you know woman's got a cat what do you want from me and by the way the cat has nothing to do with the story saxon like not at all <laughs> like, like I, i've listened to enough of your episodes to believe you <laughs> thank you i just <laughs> i think she mentions the cat for eight seconds in an hour and 15 minute conversation <laughs> but i don't know what Dude, to that call would do. It. yeah what am i gonna call it you know what i mean like i i really do believe that if you give the titles too much specificity they it's unfair to the episode. The episode's not about this one thing. And then I get fearful that someone will come along and say, 
oh, I don't need this. And they're going to miss out on the other 15, you know, discussions that happen inside of the hour just because they thought, oh, this is about, I don't know. Oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise yeah. it'd be every episode would be called diabetes, wouldn't it? Yeah. What, 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 yeah. I, I, what would I do? You know what I mean? That's, um, yeah. Anyway, I appreciate yeah, yeah. that you appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, thank you. Of course. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G V O K E G L U C A G O N dot com forward slash juice box. And I'd also like to thank InPen from Medtronic Diabetes and remind you to go to InPen today. Dot com to get started right now with the InPen. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Saxon. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.